Let's Talk Home Repair is sponsored by Matriarchy Build, who provide tele-DIY services connecting homeowners to vetted pros for one-on-one video consultations. Visit matriarchybuild.com to get guidance on projects as small as a leaky faucet or as big as a home remodel. You can even book a session with Amy themselves. Visit www.matriarchybuild.com. Tele-DIY. Like telehealth? Yeah. Cool. I know. Hi, I'm Amy, general contractor. And I'm Alicia, homeowner, and we're talking home Home repair. repair. Today we have a special guest. We have Andy or Andrew. What do you prefer? You know, my friends call me Andy, so please call me Andy. All right. We are now friends. All right. We have Andy Pace with us from the, the Green Design Center, which that was so much fun looking on your website. I can't wait to start talking about that a little bit. (laughs) Um, But, uh, Amy, give us a further introduction of Mr. Pace. So Andy is from Wisconsin. With over 30 years of experience, Andrew is an invaluable worldwide expert in the field of chemical sensitivity, building materials, and non-toxic construction. He is a leading educator for those who suffer from allergies, asthma, and chemical sensitivities and struggle to create healthy living environments. Welcome, Andy. It's great to have you on on the podcast. Thank you so much. I love the introduction. I will do my best to live up to it. (laughs) Uh, I'm very excited to be here with you both. Great, great. So how did you get into this? Well, um, long story. I'll try to make it short. Throughout high school and in college, I would do work in my family's business. Uh, Happened to be a commercial um, manufacturer's representative for construction materials. And I would do work in their programming computers, you know, office work, busy work for them. And getting out of school, I decided that I wanted to join the family business and had to convince my mom and dad that it was a good idea for me to do that. You know, they wanted me to branch off and do something else, but uh, I really wanted to be involved in the construction business. You know, growing up, our, our dinner conversations weren't about baseball and football and school. <laughs> they were about architects and contractors and job sites. And it was just fascinating to me. So I, I knew right away that's what I wanted to do. About three years into my career, uh, I was working on a project in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, we got specified and were providing a water-based epoxy coating for a below-grade parking structure. And our crews did all the uh, the necessary protective measures, making sure that the return air ducts were all covered up, making sure that dust was contained, so forth. After our crew installed or applied the primer coat, we started getting phone calls from people living in the condos above complaining about the solvent fumes. Mm. Now, again, we thought, this is 1992, we thought water-based meant safe, Mm water-based meant there's no solvent. Maybe an hour after that, when we're getting ready to apply the, the first coat, we got a call, another call from somebody living in the condos above, happened to be a United States senator. Oh. Who lived there, <laughs> and he's now threatening having to move out of the building and getting really irate about the process. Well, so that obviously raised an eyebrow. Well, what the the worst thing that happened though was uh, three of our own workers had to be rushed to the hospital because of inhalation complications. Oh wow. my word! They couldn't breathe. The, the the curing process took all the oxygen out of the room. Okay. Oh right. And again, this is 1992. We we just assumed. I guess, unfortunately, that water-based meant safe. I learned very quickly and after some research that water-based only means and still only means that 50% of the liquid component is water. The rest can be any type of solvent that isn't regulated. Mm. And so I started on this quest back in 1992 to find materials that were healthier for the occupants, uh, that didn't have any toxic off-gassing. You know, this is way before the U.S. Green Building Council started. This is back when green was simply a color. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have that in our vernacular. We called it common sense, healthy building materials. Mm-hmm. How successful were you? Well, it, it, it's successful enough that it's, um, you know, so I, we found this small company in California called AFM Safecoat, who manufactures toxin-free finishes, residential and commercial. 
And it dawned on us, like, if this is one company doing this, there's got to be a lot of manufacturers out there making products catering to those with allergies, asthma, chemical sensitivities. I learned all about chemical sensitivities uh, by working with AFM over the years and then working with some very well-known physicians like, you know, Dr. Ray and Dr. Randolph and uh, Dr. Grace Ziem and so forth, learning all about how chemical sensitivity is uh, at the time we thought was its own disease caused by um, sick building syndrome, environmental illness, you know, what's called, you know, 21st century disease or 20th century disease. Uh, We're now learning that after all these years that it's actually just a symptom of other underlying conditions like Lyme's disease, mast cell disorder, Sears, things like that. So, but it was successful enough that uh, I decided to get away from selling commercial building materials and writing architectural specifications. And I started a business specifically selling these types of products. And that was 1992, 30 years later. This is, this is my passion. I, 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 um, I learn something every day from my clients and, and hope to bring new and exciting materials to them. How has the industry changed since you've been it for so long? Well, the industry has changed in a couple of big ways. First of all, back in the early to mid-90s, before the U.S. Green Building Council, there really was no discussion of healthy building, healthy homes. Mm. When the, the LEED program came out in the late 90s, at least cast a light on environmentally friendly construction methods. And while we learned pretty quickly that it didn't really have to do with human health, it had to do with more environmental health and sustainability, at least we were sort of caught up in that entire uh, situation, you know, with people finally concerned about the materials they use from whatever standpoint, whether it's human health or environmental health, at least they were concerned. Well, as the LEED program and all these other programs started around the world to uh, document green building techniques, the whole human element was really forgotten about. Mm -hmm. And so while I spent time on the board of directors of the U.S. Green Building Council here in Wisconsin, I um, originally helped to write the green build home standards in Wisconsin back in the the mid-90s. I found myself... um, divorcing from that strain of thought. Uh, I I still think that being human-friendly is, by definition, environmentally friendly, but you can't say the opposite. Oh, so you find a conflict in that? Big time, big conflict. Uh, The the big conflict is that when people are looking at materials from a a green standpoint, Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't really matter the product, whether it's paint or flooring or adhesives, what have you. They look at a, at a label and it says VOC compliant or zero VOC. Mm-hmm. And it triggers something in their head that says, ah, that means it's safe for me. And I'm not really sure where they got that information from because the EPA themselves has never actually said that they're regulating VOCs because of human health. Matter of fact, the only definition the EPA has is that a a VOC is a carbon-based molecule that's readily vaporized at room temperature that could contribute to outdoor air pollution. Hmm. This is why the VOC reg started. Manufacturers found that people didn't like buying products that were lower zero VOC because they had this negative connotation of environmentally friendly products and how they worked. So they started alluding to the the fact that it's going to contribute to better indoor air quality it's not it's not an actual proven fact it's it's more of a, uh, a as a an aside mm-hmm. and and so to this day you can buy zero voc paints and coatings that are still highly toxic for the for the users and for the occupants oh okay so the zero uh, zero voc is good for carbon footprint, but that doesn't necessarily make it healthy for you, a human body. Exactly. And and I'll give you the best example there is if you've ever used nail polish remover, mm-hmm. that material is typically acetone. Acetone, we all know, is a very dangerous solvent, very toxic, noxious solvent. Mm-hmm. If you use it in paints and coatings, it's deemed zero VOC. <laughs> Matter of it's fact, not a volatile you can organic go to the EPA's carbon. website. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can go to the EPA's website and and uh, through a lot of searching, you can actually download a list of hundreds of chemicals that may be toxic to humans, but are actually deemed to be uh, unregulated because they don't contribute to outdoor air pollution. Therefore, the EPA has no desire to regulate them. So people get sort of um, in this, have this false sense of security, believing they're buying healthy materials when they're actually just buying products that may be better for the outdoor environment. But inside of your home, there's certainly not enough UV rays and there's not enough nitrogen to ever cause smog. So we don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. We have to worry about the toxicity of the ingredients. Some VOCs are very dangerous for humans. Yes, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Some VOCs are completely harmless to humans, yet they're all treated with that same broad brush. And with my clients, and I consult on building projects all over the world, we don't look at VOCs at all. I look at toxicity of ingredients and whether or not they actually have human health concerns. And so is the... So the EPA is obviously looking for the environment, so it's, it, it makes sense that it, it's not necessarily looking uh, at how it impacts humans directly. So, But wouldn't pu- mm-hmm. uh, public health agencies, they're looking at things like this then, yes? No. No. No, there's no, reg- there's no mechanism for it. There's no governmental, and, and this is the thing. It's, it's I think that people have this assumption that well, if something's so dangerous, right. how can a company be allowed to sell it? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's talk about well, cigarettes. Yeah, exactly <laughs> I mean, right. Come on, right? There's what kind of exactly. regulations do we you have know, there? Yeah, there are. There, there's products made from asbestos still available. Right. My mother-in-law died from mesothelioma. I know how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. Yet it's not deemed illegal yet. Right. Right. So how do how do because the information is available, but but the mm-hmm. the the general public, you know, I have a science background, so I know what you're talking about with hydrocarbons and VOCs and and all this other stuff. But but the general public, they don't know. They just go by O says it. No. So it says uh, you know zero VOCs. It must be good. Or it says green. Right. I mean, even on this. Where <laughs> where do they find this information? They look up the the SDS sheet. Now people don't even know what that is. Right. Um, <laughs> so so how do we how do we educate people on really looking into and and going beyond just what's written on the label because that's a marketing thing. Right, it's like, oh, what are we? How are we going to market this to get people to buy it? And we're going to say zero VOCs, which means nothing. So, so right. how do you how do you recommend people do their research on products that they're bringing into their home to find what is really healthy for us as humans, and not looking so much at you know the environment. Well, that's a great question. Because He'd like you to go to thegreendesigncenter.com. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, this is the thing. I don't have a great answer for you. Right. It's uh-huh. a great question. I wish I had a better, a good answer. Um, the problem is, is that when people call and they say, I've been doing research and I know what I'm looking for. Mm. Well, I know that what that research consists of. It, research, it, it consists of Google searches. And it's got to be right. It's on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be right. Now, and so we all know that um the internet is 100% accurate, right? Absolutely. Um <laughs> so uh if if you're going onto Google, you're doing Google searches for let's say you decided you wanted to buy XYZ brand of paint. Well, I'm going to look up XYZ paint satisfaction rates. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm going to look up reviews and so forth. What you're trying to do is you're not really doing research. You're actually trying to validate your decision. Right, right. And, <laughs> and what happens is you end up getting a lot of information that's either either written directly by the manufacturer or being sponsored by the manufacturer through the use of blog posts and Instagram influencers. Right. And so there is no good definitive resource out there for this, this information. You know, the best thing I can tell you is – I want you to be able to find and trust a professional. If it's me, great. If it's somebody else, fantastic. If it's somebody in your area, I, I'm looking for anybody who's in the business, in, in in the business of either selling materials, using materials in somebody's home, recommending product, interior designers, architects, mm-hmm. general contractors. Do yourself and the whole world a favor by really learning about these materials and understand that if you recommend a product that's actually going to off-gas toxic materials for 25 years, you're kind of in the liability stream. 
Mm-hmm. Oh wow, never thought about that. It's 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 kind of a bit disappointing to hear that there's no great place to go. But here's the exciting thing. The exciting thing is that manufacturers have been getting better. The one thing has changed um, in the last 30 years, actually in the last three years because of the pandemic, mm. is that manufacturers have finally realized that there is a market out there for people looking for healthy home goods. Before, we didn't have that. Yeah. How do we look for that, though? Because like you say, there's now a market for it. So anybody with a doodad is going to say, you know, health, uh, healthy home. Here's a healthy home product. Right. Um, what's what's the chemical? What's the ingredient? What's the composition that I'm looking for that should at least make me raise an eyebrow to say, mm, is that right. t- toxic or not? Right. So a um, couple of things. There's about 92,000 chemicals used in the production of building products and home goods right now. We only know the toxicological effects of about 3%. So <laughs> it's not as if that – and if you look at the SDS, you know, the safety data sheets, mm-hmm. um, what even professionals don't understand is safety data sheets are not designed for for consumers to get any information from. You kind of got to know what you're looking at. Well, A, you got to know what you're looking at, but B, understand that an SDS has nothing to do with exposure based upon – uh, everyday use. SDS, these safety data sheets are designed specifically by law to give you information on how to clean up spills mm. in case there's yeah, an accident. Right, right. I see. Yeah. There's no nothing about long-term exposure. It only has to list any ingredient that makes up more than 1% of the total by volume mm. if it's not part of a proprietary blend. Right. And then you're SOL. Exactly. So SDS is give you nothing Mm. um, except for a lot of confusion because there's a lot of toxic materials in the market and somebody will call and say, well, I looked at the SDS. There's nothing listed. Mm. Well, that doesn't mean it's safe. That means that there's nothing on there that triggers a a, a warning on on the safety data sheet because of spill containment. So what are you looking for in your analysis when when you kind of give an okay to a product? What I look for is a track record of successful use among people with extreme sensitivities. Okay. You know, when manufacturers say they don't use animals for testing, <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm, I'm not honest when I say that I don't because I have customers, I have humans that call me up and say, I have used this product. It's been extremely beneficial. It's worked wonderfully. Uh, have you ever sold it? Mm. And so I've got, I've got a, a, um, a marker board beside my desk with probably 50 different materials on there that I'm waiting to hear from more people to tell me that it has worked well. And once it hits a certain threshold, I can now start doing my own uh, deep dive into the product. I do my own chemical testing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll send out samples to people. And then once I get this comfort factor with the product, we'll release it as to one of our curated materials that we know is healthy for the majority of our customer base. Wow. So as me as a general contractor, we're, you know, we are going mm-hmm. into people's homes, we're putting paint and and drywall and fiberglass um, and insulation and caulk flooring. and flooring and tile and grout and all this kind of stuff. So where would I, as a general contractor, if I wanted to put a list together of products that I recommend to my clients, say, you know, I come in, we're going to, we're going to do a kitchen remodel and I, I, I give them this, give them this list saying, we recommend using these products. If you are interested in, um, green and human friendly products, um, Mm -hmm. this, this is the list that we recommend. Where would I even start since you've got a list of 50, 50 chemicals that or or, substances that you're waiting for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, review on. More data right. on. <laughs> Me, you right. know, it's like, I haven't been doing this for 30 years, right? I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that. Where do I even begin to make that list? Right. So obviously the, the first thing I say is, well, the Green Design Center, the materials that uh, we sell, but we don't sell everything. We don't sell all the little things that you need as a contractor. You know, I'm not selling, um, you know, a pipe thread sealant. I'm not, I'm not selling Teflon tape. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I do consulting 
uh, with clients all over the world, one of the things we talk about is putting together a bill of materials for their project. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. If I were to build a or consult on a project that was specifically going for lead certification, it's very easy to come with a come up with a bullet point list of materials that you can use that are not only approved for use on lead projects, but it'll garner a certain amount of points. Mm -hmm. And it's just a checklist. Easy, easy peasy. Mm -hmm. But that's because there's only um there's only the 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 metric that you use to determine whether something is eco-friendly or not. There's not the human element. The human element that I have and have to work with is the fact that while one person calls me and has, um, you know, a, a chronic um, inflammation from mold exposure, the next person calls me and says, my daughter has autism and she can't be around any uh, building materials that off-gas chemicals. Mm -hmm. And so now these are two completely separate different customer bases, both both looking for healthy. And so I've never been able to come up with a very specific list of materials that you can use across the board that are always going to be healthier. Um, you know, I've got a client right now in Northern Illinois who has um, just a whole host of health issues. And I have sent her samples of some of the most inert materials I've ever found in 30 years. And she's still reacting. Mm. Wow. And so it is very difficult. Now, what I can do is say, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, the products we have online, the products that are listed in some really good books that are out there, you know, John Bauer wrote a book years ago uh, about uh, building a healthy home for his wife. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Athena Thompson wrote a book years ago about healthy building. Um, Paula Baker Laporte. Um, an architect from Santa Fe. She's written um, prescriptions for a healthy house, and she's on her fourth uh, release now of that book. Really, really good book and, and very detailed, and they ha and has great information. But it's a starting point. It's kind of a um, it's a place to start the conversation, and then we have to get into specifically what are the issues, what are we trying to protect against, and how do we get to that point. Very interesting. Totally, totally, you know, just blows me out of the water as far as, you know, you say green building and, oh, it's using this type of caulk and you're good to go. And and what an uphill battle. Like you say, if you're doing your own ex experiments. Right. You know, well, with, the list changing right. from project to project depending upon the person's sensitivity, right? What, what may have worked yes. in this one is not going to work in this one. Well, and sensitivities are changing. You know, because True. we live in a toxic world. Right. So, I mean, that's right. It's, I mean, it's this moving target, which would seem impossible. Wow. Yeah. So, if a, if a, let's say I don't have a particular sensitivity, just a homeowner wanting to make my home a little less toxic. Uh, well, where let's you, give them your example. You're, we're, we're coming in and we're going to remodel your bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the next couple. Right. So, so, what, what can we do? Got a little 64 square foot bathroom. You know, taking mm -hmm. taking it almost down to the studs, not literally, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, I could change out anything I want to change out. What's the top one, what's the top three things I should be looking at in order to make that room a little less toxic? Excellent. We do have a just an, an enormous amount of customers that will come to us saying, I, we don't have any specific health issues. We just understand that there's probably a healthier way to go. Right. So can you just help me find that sweet spot? You know, a healthy home, healthy remodel, but also it meets my budget and it's aesthetically pleasing. Um, and so with that, the, the best thing I can say is 90% of the, of the off-gassing that occurs from building materials will happen from the things you see and touch on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of time is spent on insulation and sheathing and, you know, roofing and, and caulking materials and adhesives. This is, of course, important. But if, if you're looking to really focus on what's going to make the biggest impact for the average customer, mm -hmm. those things don't really matter. They may matter for energy efficiency, but not for human health. What matters is flooring, number one. Mm -hmm. Flooring is the biggest offender in just about everybody's home. 
Wow. So what? You, so it's what's better? That, is that like tile or the luxury vinyl? The, what's the the least nasty? So the most nasty is carpet, without a doubt. Wow, mm. really? I've tested carpeting that's thirty years old that still off gases toxic levels of formaldehyde. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the healthiest? Well, that's a toss-up. Now it comes down to your personal preference. There's so many great products out there that are healthier. Hardwood flooring can be great. Mm-hmm. It's the finish you put um, on it that can be properly. nasty. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm dealing with a project right now in Texas where they're doing 4,000 square feet of hardwood flooring, but because it's Texas and it's a wide plank and everything is slab on grade, has to be glued down. Mm. Mm. Well, now, now we're getting into a situation where how do we find like the the lesser of all evils with the adhesives? Right. Well, either it contains a solvent or it contains uh, a chemical that'll that'll be a, a reproductive um, toxin. I mean, there's so you have to pick your battle sometimes. Mm-hmm. But all right, so flooring uh, number two is wall finishes, your paint, mm. your plasters, your wallpaper. Number three, cabinetry. Wow, cabinetry and woodwork mm-hmm. in the home. Is it because of the paints on the on the the cabinetry? Well, because of the finishes on them, mm-hmm. yes. Because of the fact that there is no such thing as a formaldehyde-free wood glue. Oh, okay. And the fact that still to this day, a lot of cabinetry is made from raw materials that will off-gas formaldehyde. Oh. Now, this is where things have gotten better over the last few years because of carb compliancy. The Kitchen Cabinet Manufacturers Association has really pushed the carb compliancy uh, with their uh, manufacturer members. And a lot of the well-known cabinet makers now are automatically doing ultra-low or zero formaldehyde for their plywood and uh, MDF. Oh, interesting. So is that something you ask your cabinet maker then? Or will they advertise that? Yes, that's something I would ask them. They don't always advertise it. And quite honestly, they may not always know. Mm. Um, the you know the really good cabinet makers out there, the the custom cabinet makers, they're buying their product from their supplier and to their specs. And sometimes those materials change, and they went they go from a plywood that has a urea formaldehyde adhesive, which is highly dangerous, to a plywood that has a phenol formaldehyde adhesive, which is completely harmless, mm. and It'll, they'll look at it and say, well, it's still formaldehyde adhesive. It's bad. Well, not really. Mm. Uh, phenol formaldehyde is about 100 times less likely to ever become airborne. So I'm fine with that. So if I forget that tomorrow, is something like that going to be on your website? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that isn't because we don't sell anything like that. But um, that's something that uh, people learn either, you know, th- uh, through our podcast or through the consulting. Sure. And tell us a little bit about your consulting structure there. Because it seems like you have lots of options for just a little bit to quite a lot of help. Correct. So it, this this really started out, again, 30 years ago in learning all about chemical sensitivity and building materials. And my background was uh, architecture and commercial construction. And I really fell in love with research. I'll use that term, research, <laughs> on building materials. But, you know, back in the day when we didn't have the Internet, I had to go to the library and learn it the hard mm. way. And I learned an awful lot about building materials and the chemical makeup of them. And I started working with chemically sensitive clients all over the world. And that's where I started learning everything uh, is when you know, the canaries in the mine shaft are telling me uh, all about what it's like to be chemically sensitive. And mm. it just got me thinking in a completely different direction. So uh, about 10 years ago, I decided that um, because of all the phone calls and and then emails that started to come in um, about um, not only product questions on things we sell, but people would ask questions about things I don't sell. I decided that I needed I needed to start having a a schedule of people calling in and, and decided that uh, consulting was the best way to go. People can hire me for a fifteen minute conversation if they just have a couple of quick questions about a bathroom remodel or about maybe they're, you know, they're in the process of selecting flooring and they just have some general questions like what I should look for. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I have different um, time slots available in in different sizes, but then I also have what's called an an annual gold package, which is unlimited. This would be for somebody who is doing a whole home construction, 
who is doing remodeling, but it's a whole house remodel project. Generally speaking, when I'm involved in, in a larger project like this, I probably spend between 40 and 60 hours mm-hmm. working with the clients or doing my own research and reporting back to the clients because we're starting with, with you know, ideas on a napkin maybe. And, and uh, uh, while I don't do the, um, the architectural drawings, uh, I work with their architect or designer or builder and help them through the process to make sure that there's no surprises, that there's no stone left unturned as far as being able to find a healthier alternative. Right. And with that, um, they get unlimited access to whatever's available on my schedule. And uh, so that's obviously a, a higher charge. I, I believe it's $3,500 now for that annual. Uh, but again, it's, uh, the savings is not only wonderful in the, in the long term, but um, at that point, too, with, an, with the gold package, uh, I can take phone calls from their contractors and architects because they'll have that custom link to make the appointment. Right. And therefore, I know whose project it's for. And... Um, it actually it's it's been it's been wonderful for the clients. Um, I would say most of my clients in the last few years have have told me I uh, undervalue my my <laughs> charge for <laughs> this do. greatly. But I just you know I love what I do, um, and I guess I undervalue it because I'm always learning from them too. So it's kind of a quid pro quo. Sure. So if I wanted to if I wanted to hire you. Me, as the general contractor, hire you when I have a, a client that says, we want to do as much green as we can on this project. Yes. So I could I could mm-hmm. call you and say, hey, Andy, I've got this, this you know whole house remodel that we're doing. I can send you the plans. I can send you what they want. Could you consult me as I'm doing this project? I could build it into the proposal itself, and we could have a green project. Yes. Okay. And I have done that several times over the years. I love doing that because now I'm not just uh, educating the, the the homeowner, but I'm also educating the professional in the area. And um, matter of fact, one of my largest um, construction or contractor customers in the country, a, uh, a firm called JS2 Partners down in Texas, that's what we did for um, several of their first clients is they hired me as the consultant on the project, and I worked with the client, with them, with the architect, and now it's to the point where they don't necessarily need me involved on every project at that level uh, because we've gone over it so many mm-hmm. times. They, they know what to look for. And then if there's a question, they reach out. And um, But we also supply them with all of their finishes and so forth. So, there, again, there's a, a, a nice um, partnership there. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather do it that way if I can, because, um, you know, there's only one of me right. <laughs> and if there was 50 of me, you know, one in every state, it would make life a lot easier. Right. right. Yeah. So, okay, great. That's, that's kind of something I could talk to clients about. It's like, we could offer this, this service. That'd Additional be great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause we got a lot of people wanting green in Seattle. It doesn't have to be the whole house, you know, the gold package. It could also just be. Listen, I know a guy who can go through the plans and specs. takes about two hours for him to go through the plans and specs, put together a list of recommendations, mm-hmm. and then it's it's a starting point. It's a it's a talking point to start yeah, with. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've got a, a client that we are going to be doing their bathroom extensive. It's actually the daughter's bathroom, and the daughter has cerebral palsy. So, you know, mm. wheelchair, sling, mm-hmm. you know, the whole nine yards. And I wonder if it would be an interesting or if I should – be contacting you to talk to you about other things you should be thinking about that you don't think about. Right. That I'm not thinking about. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, we can do this bathroom, but should I be thinking about other things? Well, certainly. And, and quite honestly, in a situation like that, because you're, you know exactly what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have, um, a client here locally, uh, suffering from MS. And, and so a lot of similar situations, you know, uh, wheelchair bound and, mm-hmm. Because of that, the bathroom has to be obviously, you know, not only ADA compliant, but it, it's got to be an entire wet room. Right, right. So now it's really imperative that you're using things like the the, the Schluter uh, tile backers, mm-hmm. uh, the Curdy board, the Detra. Um, 
you know, making sure you're doing uh, four inch cove up the walls. So there's no moisture getting down to the subfloor. We don't want any possibility of mold. Right. And so, you know, these are the types of things we look into as well. It's not just human health, but it's also functionality. Mm -hmm. And, and um, let's make sure that, you know, one of the best ways we can be healthy in our homes is not having to remodel again in the future. Right. <laughs> let's do it do right. Do something, yeah. Well, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> 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 Got a business to run here. <laughs> they have another. They'll have another bathroom. Oh, Don't okay, worry about okay. it. That's right, and they have friends. Exactly, that's true. Where do you stand on air purifiers? Is that just masking a situation you should fix, or are they a good tool? Uh, you know, that's an interesting way of of looking at it. I think that air purification is necessary in everybody's home, whether they think they need it or not. No. Mm. Oh. Especially if you have carpet. Um, yeah, if you have carpet. Uh, exactly right. So the average home that's built today has between ten and 12,000 chemicals in the air just from the building materials. The average home built today has between three and 500 gallons of moisture in the air from the curing of the paints and the drywall mud and the concrete and, and um, the, the moisture coming out of the wood. So air purification and dehumidification – are two of the most important things to look at when designing the HVAC system of a new home. Mm -hmm. I think it's often overlooked. Um, most builders and even architects, unfortunately, think that, well, the home will, will dry out on its own. It doesn't happen that way. This is why we have mold problems. Mm -hmm. I think every home built today could use a dehumidifier in it. Um, and then the other thing is, Fresh air intakes, you know, a heat exchange system mm -hmm. or an air exchange system. I love that concept, but quite uh, um, too often, uh, not only they're not installed, but then they or they'll say, "Well, we'll use that, then we don't need a purifier," mm -hmm. and that's completely false. Uh, in order to build a healthy home, it has to be an entire holistic systems approach. You know, just putting in healthy flooring doesn't make your house healthy. Mm -hmm. Just putting in an air purifier doesn't make your house healthy. You've got to do a number of things. Now, the question always comes up then is, okay, but how expensive is this house getting? Mm -hmm. And that's a question we all have to, to answer at some point. And the best answer to that is depends on what level of home you were designing. If you're designing a track home that is using all sub-quality materials mm – -hmm just to meet a price point, then yes, building a healthy home will be more expensive. If you're building a custom home, if you're choosing your appliances and you're choosing, you want the brass switch plate covers, not the plastic, and you want, you know, uh, maybe a, a level five smooth painted finish in the home, you're choosing these custom things, then a building a healthy home is not going to cost you a dollar more. Interesting. Because yeah, it's an interesting way to think what about it. we have found, healthy materials are better quality. And therefore, if the better quality of home you start with, the less shock there is to any price difference. Mm, interesting. It's unfortunate that, that – because I'm thinking about affordable housing. Right. right? So affordable right. housing is yes. going to use not necessarily low quality but low price, which is going to be higher in toxins – so those people of lower income, yes. last thing they need is another, right? Toxic right, that they, you know, it's like discrimination mm. Boy, in a, in you, a way. You you have hit on uh, touched on something that I have been preaching about uh, at conferences for ten years. Uh -huh. You know, I love organizations like Habitat for Humanity, right. and and I love that what they do for the community. But let's face it, a lot of the building materials they use are donations from suppliers and manufacturers, and they don't usually donate healthy materials. They donate what's available right, and what's right. left. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're taking people who probably don't have great immune systems to begin with because they probably don't have access to healthcare. good health care. Right, yeah. And then we're putting them in homes that are making it worse. Yeah. And I, I gave a presentation, actually several presentations uh, around the country to the, it was the Lead and Healthy Homes Conferences um, about three or four years ago. And I had in, in my presentations, I had public health officials from, uh, public health officials from cities all over the country inside. And I would talk about formaldehyde off-gassing. Matter of fact, I have a test system that I can test 
surfaces in the homes mm. uh, of anybody's home uh, for offcasting of formaldehyde, and it's accurate down to one part per billion. And wow. I said, here's an example of some carpet that was just put into low-income housing in, in Milwaukee, and I'm just going to test this for you. And it takes 30 minutes, so closer to the end of my presentation, I I read the results, and it was like 450 parts per billion of formaldehyde. And I said, I understand that, you know, right now the big ticket items are lead, asbestos, and sometimes mold. Mm-hmm. But building chemicals, formaldehyde specifically, uh, is a huge issue that's completely untouched and the response I got back from these public health officials was that they don't worry about it because there's no money there's no funding anywhere nobody provides funding um, to even study this and so it's got to happen grassroots effort and and I don't know I don't know how that starts yeah because it is such a big thing and and like you say legislators it's like if you give them an answer then they can legislate towards that. But like you're saying, we right. need the money for R&D to begin with. And then, then you have to right. hold suppliers. I mean, it's just a hairy mess. Yeah, it gets crazy. Wow. Well, and the manufacturers that donated for a lot of the research over the years to things like asbestos and lead, well, they're the manufacturers that made the most money in selling materials that used mm-hmm. asbestos right. and lead. Right. And so, you know, in order to look good, uh, they donated a lot of money for research. Now, with something like formaldehyde, nobody wants to take responsibility for the use of it, and therefore it's a head-in-the-sand mentality by the entire industry. Mm-hmm. And so nobody's admitting to anything. I remember years ago, a company called John's Manville, they manufacture a lot of things, but including fiberglass insulation. They came out with the first formaldehyde-free fiberglass insulation on the market. And within a couple of weeks they started getting phone calls from people who used the old formaldehyde-based stuff complaining that, wait a second, this is now formaldehyde-free. Does that mean mine is actually toxic? Right. And they had to come out with full-page ads and all the trade publications saying, we didn't change the the resin because of health issues. Formaldehyde's fine. Oh, wow. We, we just changed it because it's more sustainable and it's less expensive and all these other things. No, they did it because they knew what's coming down the road. Mm-hmm. And it's so, again, this is probably still 20 years out from, from manufacturers being forced to, um, to atone for uh, what they're doing. Right, right. And like you say, in order to do that, even to start that, we need more research. Exactly, wow. exactly. And so right now the research is essentially all of us, mm-hmm. all of us living in homes and buying these materials. You know, it's um, it goes back to, what happens with new chemicals that are invented and submitted to the EPA for for approval? Well, the EPA has, I believe it's 90 days to approve it. And if they if they don't get to it in order to test it and approve it, they rubber stamp it approved. Oh, wow. And so the only way it gets taken off the market, class action lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And that's 10 or 15 years down the road. Exactly wow. right. Wow. And by then, they'll they'll develop another iteration of it and that skirts the original lawsuit. Or we can also change the policy of the APA, that the that it's not default that way, that it defaults the other way. We can. We I, can. That and, seems almost a and, faster— But what I encourage, yeah. I encourage people to demand transparency. Yeah. I encourage manufacturers to show transparency. Um, years ago when Senator Lautenberg uh, was um, involved in trying to uh, rewrite the Safer Chemicals Act and um, to make it— more you know broad and broad scoped um i was advocating his group to forget putting the list together of chemicals you can't use make manufacturers list all the chemicals they do yep. use yep and prove that they're fine ha- ha- and prove have they're the manufacturers exactly right. do the work and saying these chemicals that we're exactly using right. is okay and here's our research to show right. that and right. peer-reviewed blah 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 mm-hmm. all that good stuff you know when bpa was um uh banned a few years back, mm-hmm. manufacturers decided to use BPB instead. Well, yeah. a lot of studies are showing that BPB is actually worse than BPA. Oh, but it could be another 15 years before a class action lawsuit takes that off right. the market. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, let, let's, 
I have been accused of of being a downer, and I apologize. Yeah, I that's it's a, I could see how that happens. You're not you know invited to all cocktail parties, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, let's have Andy yeah. come over. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. I think it's nice to just think about things. Like you say, it it's a combining things makes it ideal. But even hacking away at it in little ways, and you can right. do that if you're at least aware of what right. we know and what we don't know. And I think that this has been, I mean. Even for me, who's in the industry and have that, you know, I, I have that science background as well, right? I worked in an environmental lab for 15 mm-hmm. years and, mm-hmm. you know, working with, uh, you know, methylene chloride and cyanides and, you know, all kinds mm. of stuff. Um, but but knowing, you know, the 90,000 chemicals that are in your home and, and mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing and just knowing that, okay, I need to do a little bit of research and it's not necessarily going to be easy, Right. But but look, just putting right. this out there to homeowners, or it doesn't even have to be homeowners, anybody living in a house, right? Yeah. What kind of right. paint am I going to put on my wall? You know, take a little bit of time and and research that. So so just to give a, a, a comparison of sorts, if I were to buy a gallon of Sherwin-Williams paint, good quality, it's going to cost me $50, right, for this, for this mm-hmm. gallon of paint. What is it going to cost to buy a gallon of paint that is green, that is human healthy? 65 to 70. So again, okay. like you're talking about, if you're already in a high quality paint, it's not going to be that much more expensive to get the healthy paint. Right. Well, and that's the thing. And, you know, Sherwin-Williams makes a, a variety of products and, and you know, their their highest quality, which I believe is their emerald, is also $70 to $80 mm-hmm. a gallon. Right. You know, so we have to compare apples to apples. Right. You know, if people are using Benmore Aura, at $80 a gallon using safe coat at 65 to 70 is is a is a is a deal. And are you go- are you getting the same are you getting the same quality are you getting the same coverage are you getting you know cuz that's one thing that kind of all I things would, being equal right it's like is it going to go on the same it is it's and so safe coat specifically is a classification of paint known as a super premium film so manufacturers who make these types of products uh, are striving for something that's going to last on the wall for 20 years, and you're going to get sick of the color <laughs> okay. before you have to repaint because of durability right. issues. Okay. Where am I going to find, uh, or who makes a Safe Coat paint? Uh, Safe Coat is made by AFM in San Diego, okay. California. Uh, it is available nationwide at um, select retailers like Green Design Center, uh, companies that are out there to sell healthier and more eco-friendly building materials. There's about 60 stores like this across the country right now, but because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, we've all gotten used to shipping materials. And I can tell you without a doubt, I ship paint to about all 50 states um, every other day. How do I get the colors? Well, we can actually match. If you say we you want um, you know decorator white, we can do that. If you are... Uh, interested in what the AFM colors are, we do have them online, which is very somewhat dubious because every computer monitor is sure, different. Yeah, yeah. But we do have fan decks available that you can get. Okay. So if I was to tell you that I wanted Sherwin Williams P720, you'd be able to, would you be able to match that? Or pretty close. Yeah. And so just just like you were to go into a Ben Moore store and say, I want to match the Sherwin Williams yeah. color, they're going to give you an industry match, which means it's about 98% right. or better. Yep. Got it. Well, that's kind of exciting. See, we left on a really a positive note. note. This is something that, that we can great. do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and honestly, I you know, companies like yours who focus more on these types of things, at least having the conversation about green and healthy materials and methods and so forth, I the contractors that I work with across the country, they they have to pass on so many projects because they're so busy. Mm-hmm. Because of the pandemic specifically, people are sitting around their house going, well, I should probably fix that and repair oh, yeah, that. For and sure, yeah. I want I want a new toilet in the bathroom mm-hmm. and and um and as we all know, the you know, the younger generations don't have as much know how anymore because they haven't been taught that. And so they're really relying on professionals to do the mm-hmm. work. And there is a an enormous market for healthy home remodeling, healthy home building. Absolutely enormous mm-hmm. market. But it just takes companies to 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 dip their toe in the water and 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 see how and it works. customers to demand it. 
Right. You know, to say, right. no, I'm not going to yes. paint, you know, along the lines of uh, COVID, it's people are also spending more time at home. You know, right. they were spending just 12 hours at home and yeah. now they're spending 24, mm-hmm. you know, if they're working at home. So <laughs> yes. yeah, it's, exactly. it's increasingly right. important. Exactly. But I think if the customer, and I think it that's is. what we can do and, and hopefully people listen to the podcast is like, this is something you can ask about. We may not have all the answers yet, but you can say, this is something that's important to me. Right. Yep. Totally agree. Absolutely. Don't just uh, stop at when somebody says, oh yeah, I can do it. Right. Get the specifics. Make sure they understand what you're talking about. Right. And um, the ones who are interested, they will learn and, and uh, they will they will go places. That's for sure. Great. Right. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. All right. So the podcast is called Non-Toxic Environments, three words. Been doing it for about four years now. Um, I do most of the episodes with a co-host named Jay Watts. Jay happens to be vice president of AFM Safe oh, cool. And so I get a lot of their insights on the show as well with their uh, the use of uh, less toxic ingredients. Generally speaking, the show is Jay and I discussing a topic for the week, having a, having a guest or two on once in a while, maybe just answering customer questions, you know, listener questions. And it's been wonderful f- not only for the audience. I mean, the, the customer base loves the show, but even – I think better is the fact that for me, it allows me to get out of my head all these things I'm thinking about during the week and put it into some place that, you know, people can hear it. And then it just brings a whole host of new customers, new uh, inquiries. And it's, uh, you know, you had mentioned before, it takes the homeowner into inquiring with the builder, can you do this? And the intent of my show is to sort of empower a homeowner to ask those questions. Right. Um, I think a lot of times people don't want to ask because they don't know enough exactly. to ask right, the question. Right. Yep, I totally agree. Very good. So check out Non-Toxic Environments podcast. I saw that that's on Spotify. I assume it's everywhere. It is. And then the greendesigncenter.com. There's a wealth of information there. Uh, really good information, uh, including how you can maybe hire the healthy home concierge. Oh, yeah. With some information. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you very much. It's been a great conversation. Love the show. Uh, keep up the great Thank work. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Makes me wonder. This podcast is sponsored by Amy Works, a residential remodeling contractor in Seattle. We want to help you realize the dream of your next kitchen, bath, or basement remodel. Check out some of our work on our website, amyworks.com. Give us a call at 206-478-2019 or send us an email at help at amyworks.com.